We'd like to welcome you back to part four of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 27, 2013. I believe this is the fourth and final part. Continuing on where we left off here, uh, even the Old Testament contains references to mutations that developed among humans following this time frame, including, including men of unusual size, physical strength, six fingers, six toes, animal appetites for blood, and even lion-like features. We already kind of discussed that. The early historian Eusebius adds another important detail, where he says, quote, they, and they begat human beings with two wings, and then wings with, and then others with four wings, and two faces, and one body, and two heads, still others with horses' hooves, and others in the shape of a horse at the rear, like a minotaur, or like a part, yeah, part horse, part human, and a horse in the rear, and a human in the front. They also made bulls with human heads, and horses with dogs' heads, as well as other monsters with horses' heads and human bodies, than all kinds of dragon-like monstrous beings. Now, this is a this is the early church father dude, early historian, basically stating this matter of fact. Why is this suppressed today? Well, it's not politically correct. It's it's impalatable. People don't like to think about this kind of stuff. Who cares? It's truth. And doesn't this line up with what Enoch said about them defiling the reptiles and the fish and the birds and the animals? Anything they can do, just like today, with all the GMO garbage and all the Chimera scientific garbage research that's going on, it's the exact same thing. They're trying to defile God's creation. They're doing it all over again, but today they're doing it in the name of science because that makes it all just perfect and and, and palatable. So, of the winged humans and dragon-like monsters, this activity most likely refers to the seed of the serpent that was at enmity with Christ. See Genesis 3. The concept of a reptilian race continues throughout the Bible as a metaphoric symbol of the devil, who is the serpent, portrayed as the serpent, and the dragon, reptilian. The biblical term dragon implies that these otherworldly creatures were designed with the DNA code of a reptilian race. Some of these satanic creatures are depicted as bat-like gargoyles or winged dragons as in ancient art, and that we should not be surprised that humanoid-type reptilian race could cohabit with the human women and produce a race of giants. In what could be historically historical support of this theory, a document fragment found in Cave 4 among the Dead Sea Scrolls contains an admonition by Aram, who was the father of Moses, to his children. In a badly damaged segment of the text, Aram sees the chief angel of darkness, a watcher named Melchirisha, in the form of a reptilian. And he says, quote, I saw watchers in my vision, a dream vision, and beheld two of them, and they argued about me, and said, and they were engaged in a great, great quarrel concerning me. I asked them, you I said, you, what are you, thus thus and thus about me? They answered and said unto me, remember, this was a fragment, so not of all is complete. They answered me and said, we have been made masters and rule over all the sons of men. And they said to me, which of us do you choose? In other words, they were saying, like, which one of us do you want to be your master, I guess. And then he goes on to say, I raised my eyes and saw one of them. His looks were frightening, like those of a viper. And his garments were multicolored, and he was extremely dark. And afterwards I looked, and behold, by his appearance, and his face was like that of an adder, or a venomous snake. And he was covered with, together, 
and he was covered with together in his eyes, and then it it ends because it's a fragment. But yeah, there you there you have something right there. Another thing, the fact that the Watchers are described in in inexplicably reptilian terms by the ancient Hebrews grounds the UFO logical discussion of such beings and their interactions with man firmly in ancient history. Case in point, Dr. John Mack's seminal work on the abduction, UFO abduction phenomenon cites that many cases involving entities meeting the same description that are found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. In other words, people being abducted seeing these reptilian-like beings. Okay? <clears throat> For example, the description by a woman abductee named Sarah said, quote, The head was the most prominent part of the body and was shrimp shimmery, looking reptilian, almost snake serpent-like, and was quite elongated. End of quote. Furthermore, contrary to the revisionist accounts given by the ancient astronaut theorists, this implies that the so-called reptilians, in fact, are watchers or their progeny pursuing a more sinister agenda than scientific exploration. Yet, abductee testimonies also suggest their interest in the genetic material is very real. They're always concerned about the reproductive systems of men and women. And that's what they typically try to take in regard to like sperm and ova and those types of things. Why? Are they creating some type of hybrid being like they did in Genesis 6? Well, Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It was the main thing they were doing in Genesis 6. Defiling the, defanity, the, defiling the DNA of humanity and the reptiles and the animals and all that stuff. They're doing the same thing today. They're just doing it more covertly. You think there might come a day when they might release this stuff on the planet? <laughs> How do you think the average Christian is going to react when these things start coming out of the woodwork? <laughs> I mean, seriously. All at once, shock and awe. Order out of chaos. You think they're going to just bow down for the most part and say, whatever you want, I'll give you. Because I've never been so scared in my life. Remember, the fear of man, or the fear of this stuff, bringeth a snare. That's what the Bible says. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. That's what the Bible says. Stand on the word of God. It don't matter how many of these things may show up at your front door. You have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you. You have who knows how many angels encamping around about you. Hopefully, you have to have the faith to believe it, and you, you, you would want to call upon them. But, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. So going further, perhaps uh, the most scientific description concerning the Watcher experiments and of their genetic modification of humans and animals comes to us from the book of Jasher, which is referenced two times in the Old Testament. Okay, Just like the book of Enoch is referenced, and there's tons and tons of cross-confirmations in the book of Enoch to the King James Bible, the book of Jasher is mentioned two times in the Old Testament. And I give you the link to those two times. Okay, So again, I would use it as a commentary, not as like it's scripture, but as a commentary. Um, so, a Hebrew text that adds an exceptional detail that none of the other texts is unequivocal about, something that can only be understood in modern language to mean advanced biotechnology, genetic engineering, or transgenic modification of species. 
after the watchers had instructed humans in the secrets of heaven, quote the secrets of heaven, this is from the book of Jasher, note what it then says. This is Jasher 4.18. Then the sons of men began teaching the mixture of animals of one species with the other in order therewith to provoke the Lord. Now, isn't that totally lining up with what we just heard all those either historians or early church fathers say? And also what the book of Enoch says when they defiled the reptiles and the animals and the birds and the fish. Jasher 4.18 And the sons of men began teaching the mixture of animals of one species with another in order to therewith provoke the Lord. They'd be out of their minds. <laughs> they were. It does seem likely that the phrase the mixture of animals of one species with the other means watchers had taught men something more than natural animal crossbreeding. As this would be as this would not have provoked the Lord. God made animals of different breeds capable of reproducing. I saw that thing the other day. <laughs> they take him was like a golden retriever and one of those big gigantic poodles and crossbred him. And then they, he looked like a, so his, his fur was gold. <laughs> and they shaved him and made him look like a lion. <laughs> because he was a big poodle, he had fluffy fur. But he was had that golden retriever look. <laughs> and they let this thing run loose in the streets. And people were calling 911 <laughs> saying a lion was on the loose. And they showed this dog running around the streets, and he he looks so goofy because they got his they got his fur trim like a lion, so he's got this big kind of like mane in the front. He's harmless, you know. He's totally harmless. But people were calling nine eleven nine one one over this thing. It was like the main news report of this one of the broadcasts. It was totally hilarious. Anyway, you can look that up on the internet, but. <laughs> So anyway, but see, that's not going to provoke the Lord, okay? Uh, uh, whatever they call them, labradoodles, or I don't even know. I guess I'd be a labrador retriever. No. So anyway, um, <coughs> so going further, it says, uh, God made animals of different breeds capable of reproducing. For example, horses can procreate with other mammals of equine classification in the horse family, including donkeys and zebras. Uh, but when a horse breeds with a donkey, it produces a mule, and the mule cannot reproduce. So I don't think God wants it to go any further than that. You know what I mean? God set boundaries on this stuff. That If it naturally occurred in nature, he still set boundaries on it. Isn't that interesting about the mule? Okay. Um, uh, it would not have provoked the Lord for this type of animal breeding to have taken place as God himself made animals able to do this. Now, I've done a whole teaching entitled Cloning DNA manipulation and corrupting the seed. Because that's what Satan's all about. Corrupting the seed of mankind. Corrupting our DNA. Um, let me read you the title. Let me just read you the table of contents here. The interpretation of Genesis 6-4 that the Nephilim are half-human, half-fallen angel makes the biblical narrative of Genesis 6 very simple to understand. God made a way for man to be saved from his sin through grace by faith in his son, but he did not make a way for the angels that rebelled to be saved. Therefore, a mixture of the two kinds would be a corruption and the result and resulting would be a fallen race, which were the giants. They couldn't be saved. They couldn't be redeemed. 
Okay? It is interesting that Genesis tells us that all flesh was corrupt in the days of Noah. What does that mean? We know that God destroyed all the animals as well as all people except those brought on the ark with Noah and his family. We will explore this topic further in the study. Now, what man is doing in creating these hybrids, whether they are human, animal, or plant animal, man is mixing kinds together and creating a corrupt, defiled race. It does not matter what the percentage of human versus cow DNA is. Do cows go to heaven? Okay? In other words, are cows appointed to salvation? Is, is a cow going to make a, a, a decision for salvation? Well, if he's half cow, half human, he, he might be able to. How is he going to respond? With a moo? You know? I, how, how's that? I mean, in other words, Jesus didn't come to pay the price for a hybrid Nephilim breed thing. You know? Obviously. So, it does not matter what the percentage of human versus cow DNA is there uh, in, in regard to this. Frankly, man is messing with things he has no right to manipulate. He is, in effect, trying to play God, which goes right back to the original sin in the Garden of Eden. Now, back to the main article. You can click on that teaching if you want to hear that. If, on the other hand, the watchers were cross species crossing species boundaries by mixing incompatible animals of one species with another, such as a horse with a human, which would be a centaur. That's what a horse and a human is, a centaur. I had one of those pets when I was a kid. Actually, I was a centaur in a former life. I, I don't like to say that very much. And Taylor, you, you were too? Yeah, yeah. We share a lot in common anyway. Just kidding. Um, a little teasing there. So, again, um, the horse with a human, centaur. Okay. I mean, there's, there's nothing abominable about that, right? I mean, it's a natural everyday occurrence. You know, I saw one at Walmart the other day as I was buying my GMO, uh, you know, vegetables and, and Diet Coke and, and uh, wanted to get real big brothery. So I went to Walmart. No, I, I don't go there. Anyway, so going further... Um, this would have been a different matter altogether. It may cast light on the numerous ancient stories of mythical beings of variant species manufacturing that fit perfectly within the records of what the Watchers were accomplishing. Several theories exist as to why the Watchers would have corrupted natural genotypes, including the idea that, number one, because God had placed boundaries between the species and strictly ordered that each kind reproduced after its own kind. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we were the, the Bible's very clear. Everything is to reproduce after its own kind. Satan knew this. So Satan says, "No, no, I want to provoke God. I want to take God's creation. I want to just splice it, dice it and whatever and create these freak chimeristic hybrid plant animal whatever creatures." that provoke God's wrath. Because they're evil. I mean, just because they're flat evil. And really stupid. I'm sorry, but that's just stupid. Why are you going to try to provoke God? Do you want Him to rain down His fury on you? Evidently they do. Because that's what they're asking for, loud and clear, as far as I can see. So, going further here. Um, uh, so, uh, did you do... So, why, why would the watchers corrupt the natural genotypes, including... Okay, so here's some theories. Number one, because God had placed boundaries between the species and strictly ordered that each kind re reproduce after its own kind. So, the watchers, as rebels, sought to break these rules in order to assault God's creative genius through biologically altering what he had made. Okay? Good point. 
Number two, the corruption of the antediluvian DNA by the watchers, that means pre-flight, antediluvian, the corruption of the antediluvian DNA by the watchers was an effort to cut off the birth line of the Messiah. I've mentioned this many times. This theory states that Satan understood the promise in Genesis 3-5 that he was going to have his head bruised by um, the seed of the woman, in this case the Savior Jesus Christ, and would be born of the seed of a woman, and then he would ultimately destroy Satan's kingdom. Cut off the seed of humanity, kill everybody on the planet, defile their DNA, Jesus can't come. He almost pulled it off. I mean, it got down to eight people. God had to save on the ark. So, so you can see what was going on here. Satan's followers therefore intermingled with the human race in a conspiracy to stop the birth of Christ. If human DNA... Now, you could say that was Satan's ultimate agenda of why Genesis 6 happened. Because that's what he was really trying to pull off. And he almost did it. But, you know, God's always... 100 steps ahead of Satan. So, if human DNA could be universally corrupted or demonized, they reason no Savior would be born and mankind would be lost forever. Yeah. Those who support this theory believe this is why God ordered the Israelites, which was the bloodline in which the Savior, Savior would be born from, Jesus Christ, at least on the mother's side, which was Mary, okay, to maintain a pure bloodline, and not to intermarry with other nations. Because God was very strict on that, particularly in the Old Testament. Not to commingle with the pagans and, and intermarry with the heathens, to the Jews. Also, even before this in Genesis 6, when the fallen angels procreated with women producing giants, this mutated DNA began rapidly spreading among men and animals, so much so that God instructed Noah to build an ark and to prepare for a flood that would eventually destroy every living thing, the purpose of which would be to purge the earth of the contaminated DNA of these beings. I know we've kind of reiterated this, but I, we're reiterating it from different angles to really drive the point home. Finally, a third theory as to why the Watchers merged the, ge the genetics of various life forms incorporates the voluminous ancient Watcher texts into a consistent account regarding this overriding motive for what the Watchers had apparently used DNA for. When this is done, it becomes clear that genetic substances were for them an Earth-centric and organic construction material for building a composite body that, they would, that would allow them to leave their plane of existence, their angelic plane of existence, and to enter into a man, into a physical form. See Jude 1, 6 and 2 Peter 2, 4. Now, when I read that, it reminded me of this statement that I have seen, that I've saved. And here it is. This is a, under the title of Organic Robots. Listen to this. Because this explains a lot. Even more ominous, rumors say that evidence is beginning to mount that many of the human and animal organs from mutilation victims... Now, this happens all over the planet. Cow mutilation, it's always disgusting. They, like, take, like, you know, the anus and the reproductive organs and weird stuff, okay? And they're, like, cored out of them with, like, laser-like precision. And there's typically no blood left behind. And the, and the animals won't even eat these things once their bodies are discarded. Humans are found this way as well. 
Evidence is beginning to mount that many of the human and animal organs from mutilation victims are being used by entirely by an entirely different alien race assisting in the construction of physical biological forms which can be possessed by an insidious group of spirit or supernatural non-physical entities known as infernals. Infernals like the infernals of hell. These are spirits that can, that can inhabit these biological life forms that they're creating through what they're getting from these mutilation victims, whether they be animal or human. The Leading Edge March magazine for 1990 quoted one inside source as saying that, quote, these beings have a physical presence and generate biological structures that function as containers for them. The aliens manufacture containers for themselves, fabricate their own bodies using biologicals gained from humans and cattle. Doesn't that make so much sense if you're regarding... Their, I mean, these, a fallen angel is a spiritual entity. A demon, I believe, is totally different. A demon or a devil, I believe in what the book, how the book of Enoch talks about them. They seek to inhabit a body, just like Jesus Christ said, that when the spirit goeth out of a man, of an evil spirit, and if the man doesn't, essentially if the man doesn't get saved, or if he doesn't become a Christian, that spirit cometh back, and when he, see that the, when he sees that his house was swept and garnished, that he bringeth seven more spirits more wicked than himself, and that go back into the man. Why? Why would a spirit seek to inhabit a man? These are not fallen angels, I believe, primarily. Fallen angels can inhabit a human body or a biological container that maybe they create, but I don't think that's their main, main agenda. But a demon or devil, they would. Why? Why would they seek to inhabit a body? Because these spirits, these devils, these demons are the disembodied Nephilim of Genesis 6 and afterward, because it said there were giants in the land and also after that, or the disembodied spirit of a centaur or some wicked evil spirit. Why? Because they inhabited a body. They had an earthly mother. Or who knows, and maybe maybe a bear bore them or a fish or whatever. I don't know who their mother was. How, what was Mother's Day like on that case if your mom was a fish? Anyway, um, would you give her like some fish food? So anyway, um, or if your mom was a bird. I mean, bird food? I don't know. Anyway, something to think about. Um, think about that. Okay, so since we're talking about the Book of Enoch here, okay, which is a commentary, okay, but kind of like an expansion on Genesis 6. Um, and let's just read this. Okay, this is Enoch, uh, chapter 15, verse 5. Therefore, now this is all cross-reference with the King James Bible. So much of this that would say, okay, where does it say that in the Bible? Here's where it says, it literally gives you the verse. It doesn't just say, go to Genesis, like in this case, Genesis 6, 1 through 4. It gives you the verse in the King James. That's what I love about this. So it says, therefore, have I given them wives also that they might impregnate them and begat children by them that thus nothing might be wanting to them on earth. Um, 
In other words, this is what God did for man, not what God did for fallen angels. But you, now he's talking to the fallen angels, you were formerly spiritual. I mean, you were just purely of spirit. Living the eternal life and immortal for all generations of the world. I mean, they had it made. These were angels in heaven. They had it made. Made in the shade. But they chose to leave it all. And therefore, I have not appointed wives for you. Wasn't appointed for them. Okay, they weren't. They were capable of falling and interbreeding with women, but it wasn't what they were called or created to do. They left their habitation. Okay, their 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 first home. As for the spiritual ones in heaven, in heaven now is their dwelling, and now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth. And on the earth shall be their dwelling. Think about it. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Okay? But these aren't even angels. These are Nephilim. These are disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. And probably by Genesis 6, there was millions of them. Because they had taken over the earth. They had corrupted all flesh on the earth, it said. So there was probably a whole slew of these things. Then you have after that, in the promised land. And all those giants that died there. And then other parts in history. When they die, they don't go to hell. Not to say they're not going to end up in the lake of fire. But hell is created for the devil and his angels. And then mankind, unfortunately, got into the act when sin entered in at the Garden of Eden. They became eligible. But the giants who are produced from the spirits, in other words, the giants are produced from the spirits. What spirits? The fallen angels. Okay? Who procreated with women. They're produced from the spirits and flesh, meaning the fallen angels procreated with the flesh of women, shall be called, these giants shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. That's when they get killed. Genesis 6. This is predicting their death before it actually happened. They're disembodied spirits. This is where we get the whole thing about ghosts. These things pose Many, many times is what they call familiar spirits. The Bible talks about them. Meaning they're familiar with a person's actions. And oh, that looks just like dearly departed Aunt Louise in this ghost story. Or some mass murderer from ancient times. And he just hasn't quite found his way yet and saw the light and he hasn't went toward the light. And he's around haunting and he looks just like Aunt, uh, this mass murderer guy or Aunt Louise. And we think it's them. We don't, not we, but the media. It's not them. They're most likely in hell, burning. It's a familiar spirit that can mimic that person when they lived on planet Earth and replay things and look exactly like them and talk exactly like them and totally pose as an imposter because he is familiar with their actions. Those are the spirits of the disembodied Nephilim. And that's just one classification. There's all kinds of other spirits as well. Okay? So... Evil spirits have produced from their bodies, have proceeded from their bodies. I mean, think about it. When a Nephilim dies, what happens? Is it a good spirit, like the good witch of the West? No, it's an evil spirit that's going to come forth from their body. Their body's going to die, but an evil spirit is going to proceed forth from it. Because they are born from men, in, in this case, they're born from a woman, but men in general, the, 
human race. And from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. Now, they were holy at one time, but they fell. Okay, so again, it's reiterating this. They shall be evil spirits upon the earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. These are demons and devils. They're totally different than fallen angels. Fallen angels were their, were their, mom, were their daddy. Okay? <laughs> but these are the evil spirits that are disembodied Nephilim that primarily came from the flood and then afterward on the giants that were killed afterward. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling, meaning the good angels and the spirits there. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. Meaning this is why we have all these ghost stories and haunted places and things of this nature. Because these devils and demons are either chained to a particular parcel of land or have a right to be there. Or they roam, do whatever. I guarantee you, Joel Osteen is doing a verbatim study of what I'm doing today. Preparing his hardcore flock for what is coming. Oh, sorry, a little humor there. Anyway, and the spirits of the giants afflict... Now, this is what these spirits do, okay? These disembodied spirits of the giants, of the Nephilim. And the spirits of the giants do afflict, oppress, destroy, attack do battle and work destruction on the earth and cause trouble. Sound like the devil and his demons and, and like a, what a lot's going on today? They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against women because they have proceeded from them. In other words, they're jealous. They seek to inhabit a body. Why? Because they had a body. They had a human mom. Or in some cases, maybe a fish or whatever. They seek to inhabit what they once had, which is a body. They get some type of demonic comfort from that. This is why people get demon-possessed. And why those demons don't want to come out of the person. And why they would exist? Why they would resist a like a deliverance? Because they don't want to come out of the person. That flesh gives them comfort. Here it is, right here. It's quoted. I, that's what I love about this this particular version. Matthew eight twenty eight, right here. Oh, and also Matthew twenty two thirty. This is what what why they shouldn't be doing this. The angels shouldn't be doing this. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. These are the angels. Or, no, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Okay? The angels of God in heaven are not supposed to marry, supposed to marry or be given in marriage. Okay? So they, they had to defy God, defy God in order to do that. Now, Matthew 8.28. Okay. Jesus Christ. And when he was coming to the other side of the country of, of the Gergesenes, Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Because see, they know their time's coming. And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding, meaning pigs were feeding. So the devils besought him, Jesus, saying, If thou cast us out, 
suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And they said unto them, Go, and when he were, were to come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. The swine would rather kill themselves in mass suicide than have these devils possessing them. Why? Because they're like, listen, if we can't dwell in this, this maniac's body, we want to dwell in somebody. Okay? And that body was a herd of swine. They were like, they weren't going to be picky at that point. They seek to inhabit a body. Okay? They, behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished into the wash. Also, in another version, it says, cast us not into the abyss. That's the one place the devils don't want to go, is the abyss. The bottomless pit. And whenever I deal with them, that's exactly where I cast them. I have absolutely no mercy. I am ruthless when it comes to dealing with devils and demons. I am beyond, I'm kinder than Jesus Christ, because he let them go into the swine. I don't do that. I cast them straight into the abyss. I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Tough Guy. I'm saying it because I believe I have the authority to do that. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the one place they don't want to go. Matthew 12, 43. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Now hold on, we need to expand on that. Okay, let's expand on this a little more. So, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. So, in other words, if you try to just self-clean yourself up, well, I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. If it's done apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to be a lasting thing, okay? When he saith, okay, so this, this spirit, he's been out of the man, unclean spirit, He's going through dry places, he's seeking rest, he finds none. Then he saith, the unclean spirit, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. It's, it's their dwelling. It's where they want to be. They want to occupy flesh. And evidently, the more the merrier. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation, which is also an indictment of us, of, of not my listeners, but just this generation in general. First uh, Peter five eight. This is also from this commentary from the Book of Enoch, King James. First Peter five eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So. Again, um, here's, here's another confirmation. Um, Matthew twenty five forty one. Then shall he say unto them on the left, the goats, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting fire. These are the goats, the, 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 the stubborn, human, non-saved people. Uh, but this everlasting fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay? They're all going to ultimately get cast into the lake of fire. Okay, and that's that's going to be for all of them, so they can all have you know that. But um, I don't know. I, this this is just some very very interesting commentary. Um, so anyway, I wanted to reiterate that they make these 
These beings having a physical presence and generate a biological structures that function as containers for them. So I believe this is another way that they can inhabit a body. They can literally manufacture through this disgusting, vile, abominable process of cattle mutilation, organs, human mutilation, and who knows what else, probably growing stuff in a lab, they can actually manufacture these containers and have a physical presence and generate biological structures that function as containers for them. The aliens manufacture containers for themselves. Aliens in this case being, you know, these ones that literally, these aliens that actually literally can make these containers for themselves, where these disembodied spirits can inhabit. Uh, They fabricate their own bodies using biologicals gained from human and cattle. Hopefully you're seeing how this all ties together. Okay. So, let's go further here. I'm running out of time. Um, The challenge of this theory becomes how intermingling various species would satisfy this goal or provide watchers with a method of departure from high heaven and incarnation into man's habitation. While we will not take the time here to explain every detail, the hypothesis involves the watchers combining species in order to create a soulless or a spiritless body. A living but empty large organism or shell into which they can manifest themselves. So this is another way through this demonic hybridization that God would have never ordained. They will create these crossbred hybrid abominable creatures, chimeras, as they're referred to, which would be literally soulless or spiritless. The rationale here is that every creature, as it existed originally, originally had its beginning in God, who wove a barrier between the species and ordered each creature to reproduce after its own kind. The the phrase, after its own kind, verifies what type of spirit can enter into an intelligent being at conception. For example, when the sperm of a dog meets the ovum of a dog, the life of a dog is formed. At the first spark of life, the spirit of a dog enters that embryo and it grows to become a dog in spirit and in form. Okay, The spirit of a man does not enter into it. In the same way that a spirit of a man is not born into the spirit of a horse or a cow. This creature's spirit integrity is part of the divine order and would have kept the watchers, these are the fallen angels in this particular case, who wanted to incarnate into the human realm, not just possessing humans, from displacing the spirits of humans or animals and replacing them with their own. In other words, they didn't want to just possess physical containers like a human. They wanted to displace the spirit of the human or animals and replace them with their own. This hybridization technique could be a way to do that. Hopefully that, I know that's a little complex, but I think this is part of it. I've also heard of terms called walk-ins or being soul-scalped. These are very advanced Occult terms. A walk-in. Meaning they have literally extracted the soul and the spirit of a person. Supposedly I've read, and I don't, I'm not saying that this can happen. I'm not saying, I've read this. I'm just throwing this out there. That they have the te- technolo- technological and occult ability in certain instances to remove 
a human spirit and soul out of them and literally, they're saying, supposedly, like, put it in, like, some type of holding container. I don't know. I don't know what the demonic capability exists. And then insert their own soul. That's that's called a walk-in or being soul-scalped from an occult standpoint. I'm not saying I buy into it. I'm saying that's what they say. Just for your own edification. Okay? So, going further. Um, so, do, okay. So, how did the Watchers overcome this problem? Um, meaning, the, the whole scenario I just presented. It appears, based on ancient records, much like the modern Franken-scientists are doing today, they blended existing DNA of several living creatures and made something that was that neither the spirit of man or beast would enter at its conception. Okay, in other words, let me try to break this down for you. Sperm of a dog and the ovum of a dog meet at conception. Dog spirit enters in at the spark of life. Okay? Man, woman, procreate. Spirit of, whether it's a, a, a boy or a girl, enters into that fertilized egg. The spark of conception. Okay, what if they found some way to fuse a man and a cow, for instance, sperm and ova meat, what, are, what enters into that thing? Spirit of what? Part cow, part man? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense from a godly standpoint. It's an abomination. They're saying that in this particular case, they insert their disembodied spirit, whether it's, normally I think it's most likely some type of disembodied Nephilim, some devil or demon. Probably not a fallen angel. Remember, fallen angels never had a body. So I don't see why a fallen angel would seek to inhabit a body, unless it was specific cases where it was advantageous for them to have a physical body, which I'm sure comes up. Okay, not saying that couldn't be the case, but I'm talking about, does that, is that going to be where they want to dwell all the time? Well, if that's the case, then they're going to be limited to that physical plane of existence. Meaning, if they're in a physical body, then they've got to kind of, and, and they're going to stay in it, well, then that body can only be at one place at one time. Whereas an angel or fallen angel can zip all around everywhere. It's got a lot more mobility. I don't know, I'm theorizing. So anyway... The fascinating, uh, from a demonic standpoint, you know, looking at all this stuff and looking at the devices of Satan here. So, does that make sense now? They blended the DNA of several living creatures and made something that was neither spirit of man or beast. Nothing, that, that spirit of man or beast would enter in at conception. For it was neither man nor beast. So something entered in. This was their plan. This is why they're theorizing they have tried to defile the DNA. Because they could insert their demonic creature, demonic entities into these things. One objection occasionally raised against the idea of part-men hybrids born as a result of the union between angelic and human, human genetics is the belief that angels are supposedly sex. Okay, hold on, this just occurred to me. That theory that I just posed? Well, that's what Genesis 6 is. Women procreate with fallen angels. We're supposed to produce after our own kind, right? Okay. Two totally different kinds that were never supposed to come together, come together. Have this union produce this race of giants. What is inserted in there? What is created? 
Well, it's a it's a devil essentially. It's it's an evil spirit, which is what the Book of Enoch said. These things are going to manifest as once they're they're disembodied from their Nephilim bodies from the flood when they got killed. Anyway, just want to throw that in. Um. Okay, one objection occasionally raised against the idea of part men, part hybrid. Um, born as a result of the union between angelic and human genetics is the belief that angels are supposedly sexless since Jesus said at the resurrection that people will neither marry nor given in marriage but shall be like the angels in heaven. We just read that. However, as James Montgomery Boyce points out, the words recorded in Matthew 22.30 quote, are not the equivalent of saying that angels are sexless or that they could not have sexual relations with women if they had chosen to do so. Remember, they left their habitation, they defied God. The angels in heaven don't marry. These are angels that were not playing by the rules. Okay? They broke every rule they could possibly break. Um, it is significant, perhaps, that when angels are referred to in Scripture, it is always with a masculine pronoun. The word he. And they are always described as men and always appear as men and typically always good-looking men. You know? You'll see, like, some, you know... Frumpy looking angel guy. Typically. I mean, not in scripture at least. Not from what I could see. Not to say they can't manifest in different ways. I'm just saying. So, comment. You think female angels are good? Or, or female angels with wings are good? Okay, you need to hear my teaching. Female angels with wings. Also, what about halos? It's all wicked. Okay, and the Bible does talk about female angels with wings. One time. So, I get into that. Anyway, I give you the link to that right here. Thus, when Jesus said angels in heaven do not marry, this is a separate matter from what those angels that departed or who were cast out of heaven were capable of doing and apparently did do. Obviously, we know what they did. Jude 1, 6-7 adds a deep, important point about this when it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains of darkness under the judgment of of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Okay, so it's telling you right there, this is what they did. They left their habitation, they gave themselves over to fornication, then they went after strange flesh. Okay. Um, it is remarkable here that Jude connects the sin of the fallen angels with the sexual sins of Sodom and Gomorrah using the telling com commentary that they had gone after strange flesh in both examples. That's why homosexuality is an abomination. So are angels leaving their first estate and going after strange flesh. So we beat that point till it's a pulp at this point. So I'm not going to say more about it. Now, the very end of this, and I'm not going over this, but it's the recommended book of Enoch with the KJV cross-references. I give you thing. It's referenced with over 300 King James scriptures. It is um, Pastor Ron Brown's work uh, published by a Baptist theological press, which I'm kind of surprised because I'm surprised any Baptist because this isn't something Baptists embrace. But, hey. Um, Enoch 1.9 says, And behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, and to destroy all ungodly, and to convict all flesh of all works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed in all these hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That was Enoch 1.9. You say, well no, doesn't the Bible say that? Yes, it pretty much says the same thing. Where? Jude 1.14. 
And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, now this is a quote from the book of Enoch, essentially. And it even says, in Enoch, in the book of Jude, in the Bible, the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that all all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Sounds remarkably like what we just read out of the book of Enoch. Yes, because it was quoting the book of Enoch in the Bible. And there's other way more references than that. There's 300 cross-references in in this book. Okay, again, I use this as a commentary. I'm not saying it's the word of God, but I believe it's a, it's a wonderful expansion of, in a look into Genesis 6. And if there's one book, there's one chapter in the Bible, I think we would, we would be most benefited from knowing more about. It's Genesis 6, because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Wouldn't it behoove us to know more about the days of Noah, considering that what was going on there resulted in literally the destruction of all humanity. It got that serious on God's end that he had to do that. And we should expect the same thing today. Not to say that God's going to destroy the whole world, but the same dynamic that was going on there is, is happening now. And hopefully we have amply proved that today. So that's all I have for today. I'm just about out of time here. Um, this will be four parts. And again, I'm probably going to go into this format where I'm going to probably do like a four-parter every two weeks because it's just so much to try to do a study every week now or, or four-parter every week is... Almost impossible at this point for me. So, God bless you, and uh, let's go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all you've given us. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for letting us come together again to search your word, Lord, to explore the scriptures, to reconcile these end-time current events with the word of God. I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. I pray you, you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, Lord. Lord, I, I just thank you, Lord, for all your, your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Um, I pray that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I pray you remind us always to put on the full armor of God every day, that you, you increase our faith, Lord, that, that you give those that are lacking in faith, more faith, Lord, of, of, of my listeners and the body of Christ, that you protect us in the days and times ahead, that you give us um, divine providence, Lord, regarding what is coming, that you give us foreknowledge of what we need to do ahead of time, and that, most importantly, we would be obedient, Lord, to whatever you would tell us or convict us to do, that we would know your voice and the voice of another shepherd, we would not follow, but we would only follow the, shepherd, the, the voice of the true shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, that your name be glorified through us, and that through the body of Christ, uh, many would be saved and pulled from the pits of hell, Lord. And we thank you, we praise you, we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.